Chapter Tactics. This is your 40k podcast that focuses on playing Warhammer 40k competitively at all levels of the game. I am your host, Mr. PD Pob, and if I sound a little different, it means I am recording on a headset that I haven't used in about 20 or 30 episodes. So, if I sound a little different, that is why. But that's not important. What is important is we are celebrating the end of the last ITC season this episode. We're going to talk about what we liked about the ITC a little bit. I know there wasn't a lot that went on, but more importantly, as we do every ITC season, we're going to talk about the end of the season, the Las Vegas Open, although this year that doesn't exist, so we're going to settle for the Las Vegas Nopen. That's right. I'm sure you've heard all about it by now. It's all over the interwebs. If you know anything about competitive 40k, you've probably seen it somewhere. Uh, we're going to talk about that. We have the team of the Ocho in here from last year's Las Vegas Open. They're going to tell you all the good stuff, everything you can win. They're gonna, we're going to go over the lists. We're going to talk about what cutting-edge 40k armies we like to win the whole thing and so much more. It's going to be an exciting time. But first, let me introduce the Ocho team, starting off with Val Heffelfinger. Hello, Pablo. Bring in the energy. So good to be back. How are you? It's great. You know, I think it's fitting that you were to come back on Chapter Tactics in your inaugural 2021 debut mm-hmm. is all about the Ocho and Las Vegas Nopen. I'm but excited to have you on. I just want to say that when we were doing the Ocho last year, you were like our stressed out executive producer, wandering around in a suit, always sweating, very stressed out. So it was. I had I had a lot of I had a lot of uh, upper execs to to please. That's right. I had to make sure the chairman were satisfied and all that good stuff. But Val, you aren't the only one who ran the Ocho. We also brought the Falcon with us. Hi. You you know your cacao gets worse every time you come. Hi. Hey. 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 It's me. Anyways, Peter the Falcon, of course, <laughs> stats, wizard, and also the person who got Goonhammer involved with the Las Vegas Nopen. And then finally, the real personality, the charisma, other than Adam Camilleri, the Paul Murphy. Hey, welcome. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on, man. Uh, I'm excited. Let's just jump right into it. Las Vegas Nopen. What should the people expect, Val? People should expect uh, a whole lot of streaming going on across uh, a really amazing array of, uh, of of 40k content producers from from YouTube and Twitch, um, and uh, two amazing commentators last seen together on the Ocho last year, Paul Murphy, Adam Camilleri, talking for 36 hours or so, while I try to make sure that everything works. So kind of like last year. Yeah, except from Part the comfort two. of our own home. All right, so we know the streaming going on. Uh, give us some of the big names that people are expecting to see on the Las Vegas Nopen stream. Well, I mean, I only got Goonhammer, so I don't know. I don't know who else is involved. <laughs> so um, I'm sure they're really nice people. Um, <laughs> this guy. This let, guy. Let me jump in here for a second. Val and, Val and Paul get these awesome intros. It's like... And then we got the Falcon. He got he got Goonhammer involved. Like, what is this? What is this? 
as I understand it, it was more of a team effort. Um, it's just, mm-hmm. you know, before the episode, you talked about getting Goonhammer on because of those, you were talking about those autumn graphics, and you sounded so proud of it, you know? I'm proud of like, everything. Well, I'm proud know, of that's everything. That's the biggest accomplishment. I'm proud of everything. I mean, the, the Goonies have become the internet's cool kids for 40K, so I can see why he's currying favor. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it all it all. No, we're not it worried about abuse puppy anymore. It's all about what those Goonies are going to say. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's true. <laughs> they are the meanest people on the block now. Um, well, we like in terms of actual streamers, we've got uh, Tabletop Titans involved, who have kind of jumped on the scene really in the last year and and spiked in popularity. Um, the guys over at the Art of War, um, the Art of War Down Under, uh, Hellstorm Wargaming, Vanguard Tactics, uh, Play on Tabletop is involved with their huge following. Um, we've got, um, Brad Chester and TJ Lanigan who are kind of gentleman wargaming or gentleman gaming slash art of war slash, you know, whatever they feel like day to day. Cause they're kind of like these streaming mercs. Um, mm-hmm. we've got uh, Glasshammer gaming is involved now as well. Scary from Scardcast, Dustin Henshaw from studs and scrubs. Um, like we've got a veritable who's who of people. And those were just like the first, probably 15 people we talked to. Um, there were a lot more that kind of sat in the wings and kind of hoped someone uh, could drop out so they could get involved because we had a lot of traction on this uh, right from the get-go. When we all kind of got together and, and started planning this, all due to Paul Murphy just asking simply in a chat, you know, could we do something? Literally, the first, like, every person we talked to said yes. There was no, there was no declines. We ended up having a couple people um, drop out, not due to being, like, Due to things that were way out of their control and ours, but in the end, like I think we've got a really amazing cast of characters that are going to provide us with a wicked weekend of content. I, yeah. I think it's so a very the, the Las Vegas Open. Oh, go ahead, Paul. Yeah, the Las Vegas Open very much still exists in our hearts, and and this is a a far distant second to what we would prefer to be doing with our weekend. But we all know, but you know, with uh, with everything that's happened, this is going to be, I think, a cool thing to do. Uh, and these folks were were very keen to come together and and try to uh, put together the types of list, the types of environment that you might see at an event like the uh, Las Vegas Open. And then we get to stream and talk about it and all come to kind of come together in a community and in the same way that we would, you know, if we could all do it in person. Yeah, that, absolutely. It's I'm also, just going to say that it's, it's super hard. Like, it's hard to know what to lead with because there's so much stuff largely organized by the Falcon. But nonetheless, I mean, he got Goonhammer involved and they've done a lot. But the other big thing about this is that, you know, we're not doing the Las Vegas, the Las Vegas Open because obviously coronavirus has shut us all down. Uh, people are suffering out there, and um, at the core of this really is a charitable effort. Um, already raised over a thousand bucks on the backs of I think seven or eight donors, um, and that's you know, but you know, without even getting this thing off the ground yet. So uh, it's it supports the um, global. Oh shoot! You got this. it. You got it. Global giving. <laughs> Coronavirus re- relief fund. There, there you, you go. go. Yeah, you, you got go. it. Which I would say, if I could just speak, because I do know about it a little bit, um, I, I really, really like the approach of this this fund, because essentially it is a big bucket um, that uh, is administered by them, and then uh, essentially people apply for grants from all over the world, and they get uh, portions and donations to support their efforts. So really you're helping people all over the world with an event that is actually taking place all over the world. So and if you I go to the really, lasvegasnopen.net and click on the charity link, you will see the fundraiser page off that. Well, first, lead in with what the charity is about. You know, make sure it's the, you know you think it's cool to donate to, which we do. We think it's cool to donate to, and there's a link where you can uh, 
throw a little spare cash if you got it into the pot. I, I feel like this is a very fitting end of the ITC season of 2020. Uh, you, you know, this year obviously was very challenging for competitive 40k in general, but we also got to see a lot of streamers and content creators blossom. Uh, there was a lot of room for growth and in the streaming community uh, the previous ITC season, and I feel like all of the content creators delivered. And the Las Vegas Open is going to be a culmination of all of their hard work and your hard work as well. Uh, the Ocho specifically, I'm talking about you three. Uh, it, it's going to be great. Uh, I am so, so excited. And it's for charity. On top of that, kicking coronavirus in the butt with charity via 40K sounds like a great way to spend my weekend. This weekend, head on over to the Las Vegas Open, uh, Las Vegas Nopen.net link. Also, it's not just for charity. It's not just a cool, awesome event. As you guys mentioned, it's cutting-edge LVO-level play all weekend, starting at uh, Adam Camilleri's 2 a.m. Australian time, going all the way through to the dregs of Sunday evening, just like the LVO would normally have happened anyways. It's, you know, we've got all these big-name players, people who, quite frankly, probably would have made the LVO stream anyways, or at least... Did, had the Falcon talk about them for 20 minutes on the Ocho. Uh, and so let's go and talk about uh, these lists and uh, these players specifically. Uh, who are some people that you were really excited to see? What are some matchups that you want to see? Are there any lists that you think uh, that really kind of stand out to you and you think will do well or will catch people's attentions? Uh, when can I talk about Blood Angels? I just want to... <laughs> well, Paul, you, you hit which Blood Angel list do you want to hit up? Do you want to hit up the... <laughs> Um, the Dante Sanguinary Guard list or the kind of more generic I'm going to punch you in the face? Well, I mean, if, you, if I were to look at just what I know about, you know, what's happening out there and how strong certain lists are performing right now for, you know, this edition and and just I think what has, has the tools, I, I, I'm going to say Harlequins. Like, I think Harlequins are, are ones are to watch good. here. And it's it's almost kind of like a blessing and a curse that they are going up against uh, Brian Pullen's Blood Angels in the first round of the jump here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're talking about the tabletop Titans matchup. Um, Adrian Phillips running his um, frozen stars, Harlequins list. This is one of the like three or four um, Harlequins lists that have been like, per- like overperforming really um, like, for the entire season. It's a very hard hitting close combat list that is as fast as all get out. It has a ton of tricks. Um, it's way more durable than a lot of people think, but you really have to think it through. Um, and he's going up against Brian Pullen, who wanted to try his um, always be charging list, which they had talked about on their stream a few times. Uh, Brian feels, uh, and like the the Titans as a whole feel that Sanguinary Guard, a little too cheap for what they can do. So to show that off, he's running 28 Sanguinary Guard with Dante, um, a Sanguinary Priest, some Assault Intercessors, um, this and, and a squad of Inceptors because they are good as well. And this is really just a list that's all about pushing forward and pushing your opponent's stuff in. Not Ooh. a lot of strategy really involved. It's, it's just about murder. Um, so it's, it's a very interesting matchup. I'm super curious to see how it goes. Um, the Titans did their own videos on it where they kind of went through their thoughts. Um, Brian feels really confident his list is going to go all the way because of its simplicity, um, something we didn't mention at the beginning. If the people listening right now don't know what the Nopen is, this is a 16-person elimination RTT, single elimination RTT, and it, players are not going to be 
necessarily carrying their lists from round to round. So it's very possible that um, Adrian beats Brian. He has to send his Harlequins list up to Vanguard Tactics. Someone from Vanguard Tactics has to pick it up and play it. Maybe the guys at Vanguard aren't that great with Harlequins. I can tell you from experience, uh, Stephen Box has played a very similar list, um, and he is going to be there. So it's very, very plausible that um, the Harlequins would be in good hands. But it is something you need to consider um, with some of these lists when you're trying to predict like who's going to win. Look when who's you're supposed to play them in the next round. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead, Paul. Yep. Uh, so when you're when you're making your bracket, uh, you you go you want to look at be wanting to look at the list and the player who may be playing that that list, uh, and you can actually make a black bracket. I think right uh, at yep. the challenge. Yeah. Yep. Links also on the open site. Slash Las Vegas Open. Yep. Uh, so this is you know if I, you're looking at these, I'm going to be really curious how this plays out because I think that some of the tools in the Blood Angel list are not necessarily all that effective against some of the things in the Harlequin list because of some of the tricks they can have. Uh, but the Blood Angels, Blood Angels can be everywhere, and I don't want to say the Sanguinary Guard are undercosted. I think they are perfectly balanced, <laughs> uh, but they are also really good. <laughs> now, uh, one thing, one thing I did notice. So I definitely want to talk about other lists as well too. But uh, I had this question kind of burning when I was looking through the lists uh, on the Las Vegas Open uh, website. There was a lot of variety, actually. I was, I was actually surprised by the level of variety. Um, was that intentional, or do you really think that that is a snapshot sign of the meta uh, moving towards a more healthy state? Um, I don't think we put many restrictions on what they could take. I mean, there is no. some. Uh, I mean, there's some, the think about the models, you know, and there was some consideration over over what models and how comfortable we were with if there was a need for proxies and whatnot. So there is just a slight bit of consideration. But I believe a lot of this came about organically. I mean, we did at, we challenged these participants to to take what they would have taken to wish to do well in an event of this significance. Yep, I will say um, right from the get go, um, we uh, the the participants were very gung ho. They wanted to help and 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 really help with the logistics because, um, as kind of Val mentioned earlier, early on I was the one kind of managing all of the the stream partners trying to get the lists together and it was constant like hey i see that this guy's bringing this list i wanted to bring something similar but i can bring this instead and it was just constant like no you don't have to do that we'll figure it out um while we don't want to proxy too much in the end like i want you to bring a competitive lvo list so i think the only person that ended up changing their list was steven box um and it was it was because he was on a coin flip as to whether he wanted to play sisters of battle or blood angels so after he saw a couple people pick blood angels he's like well i'm gonna go sisters then because i, I think they're just as good um everybody else is essentially running th like their first come this is what i wanted to, to play so that was a big thing for me i wanted to make sure this came about like paul said as organically as possible i was really surprised to see two orc players coming out of australia absolutely i mean orcs, orcs look really good orcs are very orcs interesting really and liam hackett who um, yep. some people may notice is running two lists in this event that is due to one of the australian players not being able to make it so rather than trying to find somebody 18 hours away to drive through the desert to play um liam just chose to to throw in a second list for their first day um and i think that's, that's very proper because as i'm sure liam hackett would tell you he's the most underappreciated player in australia oh yeah by far <laughs> so uh you know it, it's about time for him to get you know, the, the spotlight <laughs> of two different games just so that he can prove himself. And by the way, the good doctor and his Death Skulls list, my favorite list, not just because I'm a homer. I mean, Paul Murphy picked Blood Angels. I didn't criticize him there. 
but also because uh, Liam Hackett's Pure Death, Death Skulls list is a bit unique to me. It's been featured in the past on Goonhammer itself, and uh, I don't know. If they gave him a two on tricks. Liam Hackett is doing push-ups right now to this article. So upset that they gave him a two on anything, let alone <laughs> tricksiness. So yeah, I'm, uh... <laughs> I, I'm, I'm saying upset of the of the of the first round Liam Hackett know. over Eric Luthuris. I don't know. Eric Luthuris's 30 purifier list is absolutely disgusting when you consider all the things he can do with it. I I think that's going to be a real hard matchup. I'm actually more into Liam's um possessed list, his second list, which came in second at the Adelaide Uprising this last weekend. It went 7 and 1. Um, it only lost to the eventual winner, Matt Morisoli, and um, he also won the Masters the previous day with the exact same list. It's 60 possessed, all word bearers. He's got a Dark Apostle, Master Possession, Sorcerer, just a cup, a, a smattering of cultists, and Seleski. There's a lot of combos in this list, and um, like every game he takes while we stand, we fight, and I'm, I think he lost it in one. Um, he lost five points in one. Those possessed what, what? are so hard to kill They're once so they get good. a four plus invulnerable save and they can advance and charge and all the other shenanigans you can toss on them. And in a game in a meta where we're not seeing a lot of people take psychers to because they wanted to take advantage of Abor the Witch, um, he's like he has all the power in the world to really like set off all the combos and and make it work. Now, if he doesn't beat Eric Lathuris with his orcs list this possessed list has to go into gray knights and that's a matchup that i don't think he wants to have um but like this is this is my like my underdog list of the event i would say so let's say let's say that my upset that i'm just saying for no reason other than it's liam hackett happens and we have liam hackett versus his most worthy adversary liam hackett <laughs> who wins well this is <laughs> I'd One thing I will say, win, it, yeah. First off, we do all win, um, <laughs> but uh, the Australians, um, Adam Camilleri, has been kind of handling all of that. Because they couldn't get that fourth person to come day one, they do have two other people that will be playing the winning lists on day two. Mm. Um, I believe uh, Denith from the Normal Blokes pod podcast and. I forget who they, he had said is going to take in the, the other matches. Nathan, I believe. Um, they are going to be playing each other with these two winning lists, which adds an even like another level of, of spiciness to how this is going to play out. If there is a human being who could play and commentate at the same time, it might be Adam Camilleri. So, you know, in the, in the, if, if we need comes to, to maybe worse. he gets in there. If worse Adam comes to worse, definitely toss him in. play a game and commentate his own game 100%. <laughs> No, it's the fact that he can commentate another game while playing his own game. That's the real trick. Oh, yeah. He could do that, too. I'm sure. Uh, I, I do like how... If, go, go check out the list. They really are worth checking out. I mean, you're going to see... There's some things in there you might expect to see, but there's also some tech that you might not expect to see. But very organically, through, like, the just the 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 cold hand of fate, some, uh, like, polar opposite armies are, are facing each other. And it's going to come down to a little bit of player skill, I think. And it's going to be fun to watch. I mean, like, the Siegler versus Mark Perry game. That's such a good game. I actually was just about to talk about that, but go go ahead, Paul. Oh no, I, I think this, these are these are armies that you would in your mind anyway. You think of what uh, well uh, Mark is playing a very fast moving Slanesh style army. Which if you if you're not up to to speed on that, the tech of how, how that plays is it's deadly. It's dangerous. It's it it does have a lot of tricks. Uh, so a very appropriate ranking I think here on the, on on the stat card provided uh, against what you might think is a very kind of methodical, slow planning, want to set the pace of the game, Necron-style army, which we know that Sigler can do that. Like, he's a master at controlling a little bit of the tempo of the game, which I think is one of the 
uh, most dominant ways to win a game of 40k. So uh, a player who can control the pace versus an army who is designed to control the pace. Uh, I think that's going to be an interesting game to watch. Oh, it's it's, it's going to be so, so good. So th- these are actually also two factions that uh, were laughing stocks, you know, for for almost, you know, majority of modern competitive 40k from 7th edition on. If you were to tell me that, like, it, and the, first off, if the LVO were canceled, it'd be like, you're crazy. But if you were to tell me that the LVO were an LVO equivalent event, that Slanesh and Necrons were going to be something that two top players were, would want to run and actually do really well with, I'd be like, you're crazy. Um, so they're, they're automatically two very unique factions that people, I think, aren't going to expect to see at the top tables. Um, I'm really excited. I, I love Necrons. I've been getting into them a lot. Um, I actually really am more excited to see Mark play his list. Uh, I love the Three Keeper of Secrets lists. I love Furies as Action Monkeys. I love what De- Slanesh Demons bring to the table. And I, I love Richard Siegler. I love Necrons. But his list is very mechanical. Very It's, it's very simple. It's just 30 warriors and the Silent King. With 60. Some 60 warriors. Actually, I'm sorry. <laughs> Three units of 20 warriors. So 60 warriors. That's what I meant to say. The the unit of 10 Lich Guard, which, which is actually kind of unique. Uh, you don't see a big unit of 10 Lich Guard with shields often. Uh, you Obviously, you see the Necron Silvertide. You see the Scarab Swarms. You see the, the Chronomancers, the Crypto Thralls, and the Silent King. But the, the Lich Guard are going to be very interesting. They and are a hammer have, in this list. They are so good. They, they, they are, are really, really good. And they just get better with with the uh, the Silent King, right? So, yep. Having core, being able to reroll wounds. They do only have one damage weapons. Uh, you know, they're Novox. So you can give them plus one attack around the Silent King. They go up to plus two attacks. They can go up to strength seven if they need to. Um, so they can definitely hurt these Keeper of Secrets. But I, I don't like the damage output of the Dispersion Shield Lich Guard versus other. Um, other, the the other variant the, rod, the yeah. sides the war sides oh, however war sides, yes. however the these lich guard do a really good they serve a really good purpose in that they will go into the middle of the board and bully anything and they're so hard to kill mm-hmm. uh, and that's that's kind of what these lich guard do for them is they anchor you know a center of the board when maybe the warriors can't necessarily deal with that also necron warriors are, are little flechette machines in close combat uh, novak ones yes. So, it's but seriously, like all these matchups, the Bradchester TJ Lanigan matchup, that TJ's list, absolutely disgusting. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things we can say in advance of this matchup, when we when we had the the list uh, deadline created, um, the participants all asked if we could wait for the Death Guard book to come out so that TJ could run something from it if he wanted to, um, because they all kind of like put him in big uh, big props as a Death Guard player. Um, and wanted him to have that chance, so we agreed um, because everybody within the uh, within the community was was up for it. The book came out. He really only liked Mortarian. I don't know if you've heard some of his uh, <laughs> podcast appearances. He's really down on the rest of the book. I mean, he does like certain things, but he had a hard time with it. So he made this Bash Brothers list with Mortarian, Magnus, and the Lord of Change. And there's going to be a lot of lists that just won't have the answers to it. It's an absolutely gross list. The Bash Brothers are definitely back, and um, if anybody can run them, it's going to be TJ. Yeah, this is like an old school 2018 Nova mid eighth edition list. Like this is this is the kind of list that you would have seen TJ Lanigan run like a few years ago, right? Yeah. Um, 
so I really like it. I love the I love the bringing the Bash Brothers back, Mortarian and Magnus. Uh, they got their boy Lord of Change in there, uh, probably with with a three up Invuln and all that good stuff. Yep. Actually, looking through there right now. Yep, the possible robe. There, there it is. Yeah, I love it. Uh, but let's I won't, let's talk about Brad Chester now. So Brad Chester, the old man of forty k, has been around forever. He's had, I think, the second most top eight appearances at the LVO. He's up there. He's he's either he's either second most or like tied. For I mean, second most. when you've when you've gone to every one since like the Vietnam War, it's mm-hmm. it's hard, <laughs> it's hard not to. Uh, anyways, um, yeah. So uh, I I'm surprised that he went with salamanders. So I'm he of the opinion with, with with he does love them, uh, and he he also he's he's done like multiple other space ring factions like he hasn't just stuck with salamanders he's done black templar this year he's done white scars he's he's done multiple other factions um and he's actually uh known I, i've always known him as an eldar player um but it doesn't mean he's an only an eldar player but it's just that that was his bread and butter faction for the longest time obviously they're, they're not in a great position uh and he's moved over to space marines but i'm of the opinion of space marines that you can kind of run every faction or at any chapter of space marines and do well right you can run black templars as long as you bring the good stuff you're fine ditto white scars ditto blood angels ditto dark angels uh except for salamanders um i don't i didn't think the salamanders would do very well so i guess question goes to peter paul and val how good is the salamanders list going to do how good is it so brad's been playing this at a, a number of rtts and either winning them or like going undefeated and just losing on battle points. So this is definitely a list that he knows very well. Um, and sometimes that's the difference. Um, if you know your list, if you know the tricks, um, and this is definitely a take all comers list. I'm not sure how it's going to do into kind of like the skew that we're seeing from TJ with the three big boys um, and then just nurglings kind of on the side. But if anybody can figure it out, it's going to be Brad. Like that's this list is all about um, having answers to everything. So he's got that six man aggressor, uh, flamestorm aggressor squad. He's got the uh, blade guard. He's got the uh, the multi multi attack bikes, which people have been talking about for a while, but have really only started seeing play um, recently. With a lot more talk about them after Mortarian came out. Um, nine plasma inceptors because they never got they. Eradicator's got a little bit of an increase in points. Multi-multi attack by stayed the same, so you can kind of increase. You got exactly movement. You know, it's all kind of yeah plays in. And he still got his three eradicators because the salamanders they they still aren't bad. Like this Mm -hmm. list has a little bit of everything. And the one thing that people keep saying about Mortarian, despite like how hard he is to kill, is without the proper buffs. Like if you if you're playing into Marines, you have to understand that transhuman goes up, and he kills like three or four infiltrators and that's it um so tj's gotta gotta be careful that uh, mortarian doesn't get tied up with these kind of smaller five six man uh, um uh, primary squads because like that's probably going to be how uh brad pulls this out until he gets off a really good like melt a shot or something and try to slow him down that way um it's a very interesting list Marines are, are hard, hard to kill, can be harder to kill when you have things like apothecaries in there and transhuman and the stuff and just a slight bit of cover and a little bit of luck. You're not killing many Marines and what the salamanders do, at least what they, I guess, on, you know, on paper, their stats, let them be a little bit more killy. So you can, you can be durable and get a little bit more damage through 
And sometimes that's all you need. You just have to be somewhere and kill something occasionally in ninth. The thing I love most about the Salamanders list is, uh, yeah, it does bring kind of all the basic players that you see in every Space Marine list, but I really like his take on the Primaris Chaplain on bike. So you, you've kind of been seeing the bike character in multiple Space Marines. Take Space Marine lists take form in different ways, right? You've got like the White Scars bike character that can run into your opponent and do stuff. You've got the Black Templar bike character that can just tear through everything in close combat. Um, but this Primaris Chaplain on the bike... He's got the he's got the Salamander's mantles. He's got he's probably going to take the Warlord trait that gives him the extra toughness and stuff as well. So he's probably very 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 hard to kill. He could easily go up to Magnus or Mortarian and tank them for a combat or two, uh, while the Primaris Lieutenant and the rest of the army is, you know, obsecking the Nurglings away, winning the objective game, uh, and then overwhelm TJ Lanigan because TJ really only has this three-headed Hydra and uh random things in Brad's list can actually kill one one Lord of Change or one Magnus just if if TJ Lanigan makes a wrong move. So it's a lot of faith in that chaplain on the bike. Uh, you see what I did there? That was very good. <laughs> I was gonna call yeah. you out and then you called yourself out. It was like meta. <laughs> I, I just got I say, just don't know if the minus one to wound is gonna is gonna do that. But you know, look, uh it might. And and it's the that base size though is gonna be something to struggle with. That's that's one of the reasons I like the primary or chaplain on a bike is because it's just a just a fat ball mm. of death rolling around with all his auras. Uh, someone's gotta make that that model. Okay, so I just gotta say the three headed hydra, uh running three models comprising the majority of your list, that is after my heart. TJ Lanigan uh is is running the right thing into some a list that is called all day I dream about Adrax. No one's talked about this guy, um, and I can't because I don't know anything about it. Adrax Agatone, other than the fact that I've seen his model before. Uh, at the towards the tail end of eighth, he was an absolute beast. Uh, it's a yeah. So I mean, is the crafty old man trying to psych us out by drawing attention to Adrax Agatone, or is he truly the man in the white suit uh, getting ready to do something uh, while the fight is happening around him? So. What is it that we need to know about Adrax? Oh, I'm, so, I'm thinking about the Dreadnought. No, that's the Walking guy. No, no, yeah, no. yeah, yeah. This yeah. is so the Adrax Agatone. So he he's he's pretty durable um, himself. He's nothing you know nothing to write home about. Um, uh, you know, he's a four Benvoln, relatively tough for an infantry model. But it's really his ability to. I believe you add you add one to wound rolls, or you yes. re-roll wound rolls. It's it's something. It's like it's like a lieutenant on crack ability, uh, mm. but it's in melee. So yes. it's just. Um, yeah, it's add one. I just I just loaded it. So yeah, it's add one to Runewell's uh, to Salamander's units while within six inches of him if they charge. Right. So on the charge, you've got Agatone. He's got leading his Legion of Boom Space Marines list up the center of the board, which Salamanders what Salamanders want to do, and then giving plus one to wounds to infiltrators, assault intercessors, aggressors, even inceptors and blade guard veterans everything in that list wants plus one to wound in close combat. It just adds an extra oomph to his game plan uh, on on a pretty durable character. Also, the, he just gives him reroll ones to hit, you know, just just uh, to one. It's not even a core unit. It's just a sound. Or I think it is a core unit. He's a captain. Yeah. Core, he's the, yeah. he's like the third company captain in the lore. And he, get, and he turns your salamanders into blood angels. And that's pretty solid yeah. for a it's shooting good. army. It's good. Yeah. Also, he's got like a four damage, a four damage power fist. Thunder hammer. Or thunder hammer. Yeah, he's he's not terrible at all. Brad loves him. This name was actually selected by me because his version of the name was not safe for work, 
Um, so we went with something a little, <laughs> a little less salty, a little less, um, little less NC-17. Mm. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and speaking of, if you'd like to join Ag- Adrax Agatone's OnlyFans, the link will be in the description like down this. below. Not like this. <laughs> All right. There's another faction that uh, that we've seen duplicates of that uh, is gaining popularity, gaining steam, is making its argument for being in the top three factions. That's Adepta Sororitas, Sisters of Battle. So Steven Box is bringing Sisters. Uh, I, I really like his Sisters list. He's bringing back the Calexus Assassin. That's a model we haven't seen in a year and a half. Um, what do you think about his take on Sisters versus everyone else's take? He's going Zephyrim heavy. He's bringing Celestine, who I've actually been seeing uh, people moving away from. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's, you know, he's still got the Repentia, obviously, the Rhinos, the Retributors. Um, what do you think about his take on Sisters versus uh, uh, Tank Roberts's? Well, when you look at um, what Steven Box is playing, and you know that he loves to play Blood Angels, like it makes... A hundred percent sense what he's doing here. Flying things that like to chop things up. Sure, yeah, yeah let's do it. He's just like, man, I I want to play Blood Angels, but I also want to be able to shoot something. Um, so why not do that? So yeah, he's got these thirty Zephyrim, um, and he's got twenty seven Repentia. That is a ton of close combat, and Repentia almost always trade up Zephyrim with the slight uh, uh, buffs they've gotten, plus one to strength on the power swords. And uh, I believe they got a point decrease with the FAQ. Um, They're a lot spicier than they used to be. And then you tag on a couple of Retributor squads, because why not? Um, Multi-Meltas are really nice, so having eight of them hanging around is not terrible. This list is it's really good. I do think the either the um, Our Martyred Lady or um, the... Oh, what's the other one that's seeing a lot of play now? Um, Eben Chalice list might be slightly better. The ones that mix Bloody Rose with those to get more oomph out of um, out of your retributors. But this this is all in your face, and he's going up against um, Adeptus Custodes, which is going to be such the hammer and anvil battle. Um, a lot of it's going to be can the Sagittarium do any work before uh, Stephen Box is in close combat with him. In my opinion, for this coming matchup. So that is a really interesting uh, game that I want to see play out. I think Steven's got it, but if uh, he fails a couple charges, all of a sudden he's taking a ton of heavy bolter shots to the face. Well, he's got, he got the Zephyrm Penance, which will allow him to reroll the charges to get in there. So, yep. But the question, I think the question becomes when he gets there, is it enough? Yeah. Okay. Will he bounce? And also, like, will he tie up as enough Sagittarium for it to be worth it? It's going to be great. I like this matchup. Versus Tank's... Uh, list where he's taken sisters but then added in some custodies for for his own little bit of an anvil in the back i do think i like stevens more but they're both very excellent takes on on sisters right now yeah uh yeah tank decided to go a little heavier into the retributors he added a whole nother level or a whole nother unit um and then he's picked some death cult assassins for uh, action monkeys something i'm a big fan of uh, as well it's a little more of an unconventional list um but you know, uh, big fan of big fan of sisters. Interesting and, to see how they do. And big blobs a custodian guard. Um, they do shore up a weakness for a bloody rose list, which is stuff that's going to stay on the board a little bit longer. Two two five man blocks of shield guard that can sit on your back objectives or stand in the middle and just say this is mine for at least two or three turns. Um, that is nothing to to uh, to kind of sneer at, um, particularly when it's backed up like you said by these retributors. And he's still got those sisters repentia. Um, the Death Cult Assassins, I think, are my my favorite pick in this list because um, you don't hear a lot of people talk about them, but they're so cheap. 
They're so, so cheap. Good. Yep. Random little power swords too. Yeah. Uh, those and crypto thralls. Uh, crypto thralls are probably my favorite action monkey by a mile. I don't think they get enough credit. Oh, interesting. And Paul, what's your thoughts on Mikey Bear's religious birds list here? Mikey Bear <laughs> is the French uh, Mikey Herbert. Mikey yeah, Herbert. yeah. Well, I mean, look, you can't, you can't go wrong uh, with the Sanguinary Priest. Uh, I think that's that. It's a sta- it's a staple unit. It's going to be in everywhere because it lets you accelerate the uh, the doctrines for you. Mm-hmm. So you make better use out of everything you've got here. Uh, but the, the Redemptor Dreadnought, I don't I don't know. I love that, it. I love yeah. it. I'm sorry. I mean, I love it. Okay. I've. It's hard for Blood Angels because Blood Angels don't have points. So I get you. But the Redemptor Dreadnought, that minus one damage catches people off all the time, and three yeah. da- three so damage shots. I, I do like kind of the reverse disruption. Like, you know, I like to have yeah. lists that have a bunch of disruption in them to, to kind of give me a, give me a, maybe a shot in, in any game possible, but he's almost like, uh, taking that in reverse and making it to where he's, he, he will be a rock, uh, and make you very difficult for you to dig out while he is, um, basically taking you out. Yeah. It's, it's, this list is, is unique, but it, it has all the things that I like in it. Like, this is very similar to a list I've been kind of playing around with recently with uh, Flesh Terrors. Um, he's brought in the Sanguinoir for his Blood Angels, be- uh, who is just a pile of tricks when it works. The, the Sanguinoir is amazing. I love I mean, him. Absolutely. I, I don't, when you say when it works, I don't even know when it wouldn't work. Oh, sometimes he bounces. Sometimes he comes down, he heroically intervenes, and then does nothing, and you're like, okay. Sure, but you still get to make that choice. And so, <laughs> I mean, you've got to make your best guess, right? And I think that's what we'll, we'll see with this play here, is he'll, he'll bring, bring him down you know, when the right time uh, for it to be. But I just don't know when he wouldn't, he wouldn't work, especially I, against playing against some, uh, some sister stuff. Into sisters. I like it. There's some other matchups. I'm not so sure. I played with Sanguinor a lot. I do love him. It's just, like I said at the beginning, like points are such a thing with blood angels. Cause you're always like, where can I find another 150 so I can take five more Vanguard vets or five more sanguinary guard. Can I just shout out something here that catches my eye, uh, which is, Tactical squad with the last cannon. I mean, I just like that he is, you know, getting back to the roots. Yep. Is, with... <laughs> I, but I feel like that. I there's... wish there was a flamer in that squad. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, <laughs> the, there's got to be some intentionalness here, maybe of that, or something that maybe in a, a way to want to play with that, want to do that, because I think that some choices that are made here are simply robbing the list of a few secondary guard. Yep. <laughs> but at the same time, it's cute. Like the impulsor, I like that yeah. now with the new missions. Impulsor's great. With the new missions, having something that might let your guys survive that extra turn so that turn five comes, you're going second, you can jump on that final objective. I love that now. Impulsors had kind of lost a lot of oomph at the beginning of ninth, but we're starting to see people talk about them again. And he brought back the Smash Captain. I mean, he put a bunch of stuff into it to make it work, but he's got him. He's taken two Warlord traits, um, and he took the Hammer of Ball, but that's... This uh, his captain here is a full on smash captain now. He's... But the the more you invest in characters like that, the better they do. So yep. that's a solid choice. Yep, I like it. I like it a lot. I mean, right. they just need to be off somewhere doing something, and uh, and with a slight bit of protection, either because they can't be targeted or they're behind some terrain or something, and they're just just wreaking havoc on things. Uh, more uh, moreover, uh, again with my cutting edge analysis, what do you guys think of the name matchup here between Michel Herbert and a guy named Tank? It's that's great. Yeah. Love it. It's poetic. I think, I think poetic. It's good. It's, it's this is gonna be good. No, it's like, I'm happy to be proven wrong with this list. I do, I do think it needs a little bit more of the get out there. But the Death Company, they 
I mean, I know I talk a lot about secondary guard, but the Death Company are very good. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's almost it's almost a shame that they do get outclassed, like, but just barely by the secondary guard. So you're not going to see them as often, but they are still very good. Yep. All right, uh, and then finally, let's. I want to talk a little bit about the only list to score a ranged power rating of five on Goonhammer stats. As of now, I understand that Goonhammer is uh, adding more and more to these, but let's talk about JT's Drukhari list, right? Um, first of all, I like I like that that people are bringing Dark Eldar back into the mix. Um, people are excited about them. Uh, I think in three months' time, I think they'll be right up here. Probably not in the top five factions, but who knows? I don't know anything. Um, all I know is people look a little excited about them. So, uh, looking at JT McDowell's list, what earns it this ranged power rating of five? It's it's the Venoms, it's the Ravagers, and that's it. I am very proud of JT. You need to understand something, Pablo, and you probably already understand it, but I'm saying this for the for the, the listeners. For Val. And for Val. <laughs> um, after the FAQ, Drukhari are, are in a place to be very, very abusable. 10-point Reavers, 8-point Racks. Um, JT had the option to go to Clown Town here. He didn't take any Reavers. He only took the Racks that he loves. Not not like 50, like we're seeing with some of these Drukhari lists that are starting to to hit 4 and 1s. 30-plus Racks. It is hard. But when they're that cheap, when Reavers are 10 points, it's hard not to take 27 of them. Really, it's just a matter of the fact that China, Russia, and the United States, as well as Britain, have all sold out of them immediately post FAQ. So it's, it, but yeah, like it's, it's, he's playing a Drukari list that's doing what Drukari does. The benefit here, the FAQ change to, to uh, open top transports, it's going to allow him to take those hex rifles he's got on all those racks and actually put them into ridiculous use because now, um, it, with those dark technomancer, uh, venoms. He can rush up and snipe some characters, and you're not going to be ready for it because he's going to get that plus one to wound from Dark Technomancers, and you're just going to be like, oh, what the heck? Where'd you come from, boss? Bam. Sniped. Dead. I really like it. It's really cutesy. I don't know if he can punch through the Ultramarines. That'll be a whole other story. Well, so what I just want to point out, the poison weapons, I mean, they are, they are, they function pretty well about what, uh, against what you see out there right now. I mean, always yes. wounding on a four plus, you know, wounding things on a six, you know, with, uh, very, very rarely. Uh, you're going to get a lot of damage out, uh, at least making them make saves. Yeah, yeah. I actually really like his matchup into this Ultramarines list. So we'll go ahead and talk about the final list we haven't talked about yet. Scuba Steve's play on tabletop Ultramarines list, bringing my boy Marnius Calgar back, the Fister himself, <laughs> and his buddy, Chief Librarian Tigarius. Uh, this is an Ultramarines list that speaks to little baby Petey Pob's Ultramarines heart back when I first started playing 40k. Um, it's actually not a bad list. It's the kind of it's the kind of Ultramarines list I would really like. Ultramarines kind of have fallen off the wayside. Uh, they're not the best uh, Space Marine faction. They don't get the best. They don't have the best chapter. Thomas tactic. Bird is is getting ready to murder you. He's you pissed. know that he's so I mean, mad. Like, look, look, Tom, look, Thomas. Where are you? You're not in the Las Vegas No <laughs> Where are you? Okay, he's driving Scuba a comically is... small car in a parade right now. That's what that's what Thomas Bird's doing. <laughs> but but but. I feel like every Space Marine player who has their own faction, like I feel like Ben Sherman would say that about Black Templars. Like I feel like every Space Marine player who plays their unique flavor of Space Marines would say that their flavor is the best Space Marine flavor. But 
that's not the point. The point is, is that I think this Dark Eldar list actually pairs up really well against this MSU-style infantry-heavy Space Marine list. Everything in JT's list can kill a unit in Scuba Steve's list, with the exception of the Mandrakes and the Medusae, but that's not their job, right? So the, the Racks can kill these suppressors, these, you know, these little aggressor squads, or the one little aggressor squad. Uh, the, the Scourges with their blasters can definitely drop down kill something. The Ravagers are going to do a lot of work, and the space marine list doesn't have a lot to reach out and 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 touch you right uh you know you've got calgar you've got the devastator squad in the drop pod which which is nice but can also be taken advantage of you have one unit of four eradicators uh to outflank and maybe do something i i i really like this space this ultramarines list but i actually like dark elder in this matchup specifically yeah and also it's point to remember that they're not built to play against each other kind of thing. Yes. You know, this yeah, is what you have to build about yeah. what you see against the field. And and this but in this particular matchup, I really think that the 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 drawback here is the aggressors. I don't think the aggressors are going to be able to be brought to bear to do what they want them to do. Uh and so there's a lot of points wrapped up in that. So he's going to have to be finding an alternate use for the aggressors. And anytime you can kind of get your opponent having to make different decisions than they than they want to make uh then you've got an advantage so i agree with you that the advantage is on is on the the dark, the dark eldar in this case yep all right uh, but his list it. name is s club seven s club seven i don't mm-hmm. get it but i like it you don't uh, pablo pop okay the I'm, pop- I'm out i'm leaving i can't believe this you don't <laughs> know s club seven okay pablo you've gone down three points three respect points lost Continue. He only had three points. Oh man! But I love this. I love the suppressors. Uh, there's yeah. a lot. There's there's things in here in this in this Ultramarines list that I do really like, and I think the suppressors are things that have. Uh, I they're maybe a sleeper. You know, we could maybe maybe learn a lot from what we see out of the performance of these guys. Minus um, yeah, three points. So after a quick Google search of this Club Seven, uh, <laughs> we'll get back to you after this commercial break starting <laughs> now. This episode is brought to you by HP Instant Ink. No one is reading your mind, but HP Instant Ink knows when your printer is running low and sends you new cartridges, so you never have to think about ink. Save up to 50%. You'll pay less than $5 a month for ink and never run out again. Find out if your printer is eligible and enroll today at hpinstantink.com. Conditions apply. For details, visit hp.com slash Spotify. Okay, and we're back. It uh, turns out S Club 7 is a British pop group. They were. Google. Yes. S Club, ain't no party like an S Club party. Come yes. on, man. Pablo, I, like, I know you're like 11 years old, but come on. Come on. <laughs> He's like the same age as us. Old, uh, no, I, I believe I'm like 10 years younger than both of you. Yeah. Well, it, you, you've aged badly. <laughs> fair, fair enough. Anyways, <laughs> oh, uh, should I comment? Should I make comment? <laughs> uh, any, anyways. Paul Murphy over here is made of of some sort of wax that just stays perfect. He's the forever. epitome of distinguished gentlemen. Absolutely. I have a question for the floor um, because I only add value to the show. Uh, I would like to ask because you know there were some restrictions. I'm sure some people may have done things a little bit differently, but of all of these lists. If this was a normal year, what do you think actually has the legs that uh, what what might have actually had the legs to go the distance in a, in a real LBO? 
I think there's like five lists here that definitely have what it takes. I would say Siegler's Necrons are spectacular. Adrian's Harlequins. Mark Perry's Slanesh list. And um, TJ's Stupid Business. They're all. Uh, I, knew, I know several people that were planning Slanesh is to kind of be the surprise hit. Yeah. Like, yeah. And, and I mean, these are good players, players that I would, you know, if, if, if they were in striking distance, I think that, you know, they have a really good shot in the, and Slanesh, I think is one of those lists that most people weren't expecting. So when they were navigating through the field, I think they would have caught several of their opponents by complete surprise, narrowing the, the number of times that they actually had to need a little bit of luck to go on their side. Yeah. It's, I think anyone, a lot of good lists uh, if, if people have been watching the meta on Meta Watch on Warhammer Community, they would have seen Peter's scouting report on Slanesh already. That's true. They've been good for a while, but man. Yep. Anyway. That's a really good question, Val. I agree with everyone. Um, I think I think uh, I really want to see more like like Liam Hackett's uh, Tide of Traders list. I, I've loved Possessed. I've been on the Possessed train since they became a real force in Ninth uh, Edition. Um, I I really like that list. I think that that list has the potential to make the top four at the LVO easily. Um, it's it's a very offbeat, unique list that you don't see a lot of. Um, and actually, I really want to see more of these Australia guys. You know, I want to see these. I want to see uh, them proceed win go through. Well, obviously they'll win because there's there's four of them and they'll proceed to the next round. But I really want to see these U.S. guys play the Australian lists specifically. Like I would really like to see, you know, someone run Eric Lathor's list and play that up against Richard Siegel's list, his Necron list. I think that's a really good matchup, and you can definitely tell the style of lists that they run down under are just a little different. They break away from the mold from what you see here in the U.S. So it's it's those kind of matchups that I look for at the LVO when you get a guy like a you know Eric Lathoris, a Matt Morisoli, you know, um, or or like a Manny Chima, some someone from another part of the world come to the LVO and play against someone they'd never ever play, uh, someone like a Nick Nadavati or a Richard Siegler. Uh, so I'm super interested interested to see lists cross regions and be run by players. Um, maybe even we'll get a little drama. Maybe we'll we'll have a U.S. player complain about an Australian list saying it's bad, and then the Australian player is like, ah, actually, <laughs> actually, mate, this list, you know, won a won a sixty person RTT in Australia like two weeks ago. That I mean, possessed list has, I mean, it does have the legs to do it. It's yep. really good. I, I've 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 liked Chaos Space Marines for a while now, but um. Anyways, you I agree would, with you, guys. you would. Anyway, continue. A lot, I agree with you. A lot of these lists. If you were to throw darts at at eight random lists and say this is your LVO top eight, I, with the exception of maybe one, I'd be like, eh, I'd be one hundred percent sure like that. Yep, that that looks like a good top eight. Call it out, Pablo. Worst list of the sixteen. I was gonna Let's say, say we need to call list it worst. Of the sixteen. Uh, I'm definitely going to have to uh, throw PD Pob's super secret Necron list as the worst list in the 16th. Oh, it's actually guy. the 16th and three quarters list. Way to not commit. <laughs> Amazing. I honestly, I honestly um, don't want to pick a worst list. I actually really like all of them. Um, do orcs make the top eight this year, Pablo? This is it. This is the biggest call yes, you make every orcs single year. Absolutely make the top eight this year. <laughs> they're getting out that of the They're going to lose. Oh, no, no. <laughs> They only have to win one game they to make to the top eight this time. Though, <laughs> you know, you orc players. I, I feel you like you orc players. 
you orc players, you yes, orc I'm, I'm players. addressing you, all of the ones listen, who listen to the Chapter Tactics podcast. I feel like every year around the LVO time, every single orc player who's ever played competitive 40k listens to the, this podcast and lets me know about my predictions, how wrong I am. Usually I predict the orcs to make the top eight at the LVO. It's been except a for last time-honored year. prediction, except for last year. <laughs> Lo and behold, the one time I don't predict them to make the top eight... They make the top eight. <laughs> top eight. First time ever. Amazing. So, so here we go. Top eight or no top eight this year. So I, I think they're going to make the top eight. So Making the top I'm eight. Wrong. Here we go. They're, we're not going to see an orc list in the top eight. That's what, that's the way it works. But but yeah, I, I think these are all very, very good lists. Um, if I had to pick a weakest list, I would say it's probably uh, one of the sisters lists. Um <laughs> Yep, I know, right? It's it's hard. It's really hard. Maybe the Ultramarines list. Maybe. We'll see. I don't know. We'll see. It's but it's tough. It's, for the it's, listeners, it's tough. for the listeners, um, there is a challenge bracket, as Pablo mentioned earlier, challenge.com slash Las Vegas Nopen. Um, or you can go to lasvegasnopen.net and the links are all there. Um, if you want, you can put in your own predictions for who you think are gonna win all these games. And we are going to give a prize to one of the people that comes closest, if not at, like most accurately um, predicts who's going to win this. Um, it was just set up yesterday. Last I looked, there was only like nine or 10 predictions. So your odds are real good and it's free. So just do it. Put in your prediction. If you win, you might get something good. There's been a lot of support put into the prizes for this event and um, a lot of real spicy stuff available. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just do it. All right. Let's move on to the second segment of the episode. Just real quick. We've, we're all this talk about the Las Vegas Open. We had a pretty interesting year. Um, there was some innovation. There was uh, setbacks. What were some of your favorite things about the ITC season? Not about competitive 40k, but about the community that the three of you looked back on and enjoyed. I know it's a hard question. So take your time. I, I can start. It's actually easy for me is that I, I've seen everybody, you know, take a focus on hobby and, and, and engage with people positively. Like my, my Twitter feed is, is only hobby folks, you know, so I get to see a lot of people's work in progress, what they're doing, you know, and what I've tried to encourage people is, you know, look, look, you can't play as often as you want, but you can still, this is one of those hobbies that we share that you can still spend time doing it. You could be reading it, a novel, you could be listening to an audio book, listening to a podcast putting together models, painting, you know, there's all, you could, st- we could still, we are fortunate enough to, to, you know, with everything else, with us not being able to interact as socially as we want to, we can still be in our hobby. Mm-hmm. And that's been nice. Oh yeah, 100%. I've, and uh, not only that, but content creators have really, you know, stepped forward and started hobbying, right? You've got like the gentleman gaming crowd. They've been doing a lot of hobbying. Um, you know, you've got competitive guys, you've got, you know, uh, the Art of War guys, they've been doing hobby streams. Um, and, and that's not to say that they're necessarily people who didn't hobby regularly, uh, but, you know, their niche was always competitive 40k. That was that was their big niche. Uh, and I loved seeing all content creators across the board moving towards a more hobby-focused way to enjoy the community. And I agree with you, Paul. I think I think the community has really done a great job of uh, kind of um, uh, uh, – bringing themselves around each other. I need a source, uh, bringing themselves rallying around each other and focusing on the hobby and promoting it. And I really like it. I think maybe what you're looking for, trying to put your, 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 your finger on or tongue, if you will, is the word resiliency. And 
this resiliency actually led me to make a terrible investment call um, because I assumed people would not care about Warhammer uh, when they couldn't play it anymore, when they couldn't see their friends anymore. And uh, that has not been the case. Blowing the doors off. Um, people have been finding ways to do this. Um, there's been a lot of great leadership from the community about how to try and do this safely when things aren't as over the top, uh, you know, uh, when there aren't so many breakouts. But when things slowed down in the summer, people were still trying to be careful. You know, the, it was, I thought, really cool um, how at uh, events, uh, some of this stuff got politicized, obviously, with around, like, you know, f mask wearing and that sort of stuff. But I found that, uh, by and large, at most tournaments, it was not even an issue. People did what they had to do to, to try and get to see their friends and play this game and be a little bit normal this year. And I don't know, that spirit and just how this community has probably somehow grown during this period of time. Uh, I just find really awesome and, and really gives me a lot of hope for uh, what, what we'll see coming probably in the second half of next year. Yeah, I agree. What about you, Peter? I mean, I, like, I don't know how to, how to not, how, like, how to do this without just reiterating everything everybody said. <laughs> We're Go doing it, the Las Vegas Nopen, like, it's a charity event, but it's also for the community because of just how awesome it is how resilient it is like how these comment how these content creators really upped their game right like this isn't like this is all because of who like the greater community is um how strong they are how amazing they generally are like it's just like that's the whole the whole point behind this las vegas open thing behind all this is we have all these amazing people that have you know upped their game um to to try and make this at least somewhat more palatable. And um, like, if you look at um, Hammer Out Cancer happened, it feels like forever ago, but it was only last week, uh, like two weekends ago. They raised like, what, $12,000 in one weekend? Um, they couldn't have the normal, quote unquote, big names that they love to have for the charity, uh, charity Hammer events. They still raised a, an enormous amount of money. People donated hand over fist. And it wasn't, and it guarantee you, it wasn't because there was a Necron army available or anything like that. People wanted to give money to help out. Um, and we're already seeing it with this COVID relief fund. We're having people donate hundreds of dollars for like nothing. We're not giving out a prize for, for most donations or anything like that for this, right? This is like, if you, if you can give, please give. And we're already seeing that again. I've seen so much. I'm part of so many communities now because of COVID. I get to witness all these things. And there are so many just amazing people in this hobby that you, that, that you miss out on. But we've come together now because of this. And it's, it's truly incredible. And I, I love this community for it. The Falcon also sees all the bad things you do too. Folks. I so do. remember that. <laughs> I do. Um, but I try not to talk about them for a lot of reasons. I have a therapist now. So, so, so uh, just remember that when you're, when you're painting your... Slanesh models and at midnight the falcon is watching yeah stop with the baby heads that's that's just stop it <laughs> that's number one on the falcon's list let's uh let's calm down on the baby heads yeah all right all right anyways uh thank you i agree with you guys um i think the community focused stuff has been huge this year uh i am so excited for next season the las vegas open is going to be a hallmark event in 40k history uh, it's going to be known as the day all the content creators got together and I brought wish. something truly special to everyone. I wish it was <laughs> all of them. I really do. I like. I wish we could have brought in You're more right. people. 
But you're like, right. Not, you're right. Not all of them, but but a lot, a lot, and they're really good. A lot. Of you them. know what? If but you... for five folks trying to throw this together, you know, <laughs> we got as many as we can do. So I gotta say, man, if you guys, if you have just like a, a Podunk, uh, you know, Warhammer stream channel, just just throw it up there. You know, like just just join in on the party. Everybody online streaming. This this weekend, let's just make it happen, and let's see how many people we can just get that want that Warhammer category up to. You know what uh, we haven't talked about at all, at all, and I think it's incredible is we have a Spanish announce table. Yes, and these guys are incredible. It. You have the Ocho, the Ocho. We have the actual Ocho. The Ocho. We have, we have the legitimate Ocho. Um, Xander and Bazaar from Deep. Deep Gaming. I want to say Deep Impact Gaming, but it's probably not. That sounds too sexual. And um, La Voz de Oris. They've joined us. They came to us and they said, we would love if we could commentate your games in Spanish. And we were blown away. And they've been so helpful already. And they have brought eyes to this um, that we would never have expected. Um, The raffle hit well over a million um, tickets. And it was most, I would say a lot of it was because of them live streaming stuff week to week it's it's great i love it yeah it, yeah the i i love that i love this community i love that we're all gathering together um and uh, you know what this just makes me excited for next year's lvo uh which starting at the beginning of the season we're definitely gonna start talking about the future of the itc um so look forward to that episode so that's it that's that the- by the way that uh, the location of the next lvo being announced live uh, on on Sunday, um, I guess the actual winners of this year will be announced as well. We're going to do lots of stuff live. Yeah. We're going to announce the new location. We're going to announce the winners from the the promotions. We're going to give away some stuff on stream. Like like, and I know we talked about the the charity and stuff, and and this is, I mean, that's a huge part of a, of, of like focus of what we're doing and and how to get awareness to the the a lot of things that are going on out there and the spirit of the community. But even if you can't, just come hang out and be a part of this with everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, if this is if you wanted to dive into competitive forty k and you wanted to know who to follow, you know what the community is like. This would be a great a great example, especially if you find yourself starved for a little human contact. Um, uh, I know a lot of people in our community don't have access to friends around them. Um, you know, they're stationed somewhere or in some rural part of the world. I feel attacked. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Look, attacked. if you want to hang out with. Uh, a really charming good old boy from Georgia and a very excited Australian dude. Get a get a hobby project together, and and come hang out on the Ocho. It's gonna be yeah. great. Tweet us your pictures, your work in progress for the whole time. That'd be heck yeah, freaking amazing. Awesome. Use the hashtag. We're gonna be awesome. All right, that that's it. That's the end of the episode. If you want to skip past the patron questions, I understand completely. Thank you so much for listening, Paul. They love your voice. They love your personality. Where can they find you other than Las Vegas and Open this weekend? Uh, I run a show called Forge the Narrative. You can find me at forgethenarrative.net. Anywhere podcasts are aggregated, uh, I think you can find the show. Uh, on Twitter, I'm at warmaster underscore TPM, and I'm fights with dice on Instagram. Right on. And then Val and Peter, although you've been on this podcast no multiple times and don't need an introduction. Where is there anything you want to plug other than this massive plug episode? I don't even know if we've said the Gleam.io thing, $1,000 shopping spree from our friends at FrontlineGaming.org, where you can get all your hobby stuff, and you could buy $1,000 of it if you win the, win the Gleam raffle. Uh, Pete, by the way, has created an amazing, amazing, amazing website. It's got everything 
neatly aligned in tabs at the top. It is lasvegasnopen.net. And that's actually, it's got the bracket there. It's got the list there. It's got the details of the charity. You can donate to the charity page on there. So it actually adds to our track. So we can actually track to see how much our community generates for this great cause. Um, and you can also join the raffle there. Find all the, all the things. It's an amazing website. Go to it, lasvegasnopen.net. And then Pete and I, you know, we just hang out in various dark corners of the internet. Look for a good time. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. All right. Uh, for those of you wondering what the patron questions is about, every episode at the end of every episode, we open the floor to the patrons of the Chapter Tactics podcast, uh, where they get to ask us questions that we answer live on the air. Normally, we also live stream to patrons. However, that's not something I could take care of this time. Uh, the warp wouldn't permit it. Um, so if you're like a patron and you love our work and you want to support us, head on over to patreon.com slash chapter tactics, get access to the Facebook group, the discord, you get to win random goodies every month and you get to ask us questions that we answer live starting with patron Kelsey. He wants to know, is there anything that you've learned from planning the Las Vegas open that you're going to implement in your future endeavors? This is geared towards the Ocho crew. Start earlier. Yeah. <laughs> you're going to start earlier. Pablo, if you can get you Reese do, to cancel his events like a month earlier than he has been, be great. So we can really get this stuff going. Fair uh, enough. Won't lie. Um, guys, we started way earlier this time. Um, and <laughs> as a result, I think, uh, definitely on my end, the technical end, I think we're going to be, we're going to be pretty cool, man. I think it's going to be one of the cooler productions that you will have seen. It would be great if we could actually control the the cameras at the table, but we'll be leaning on our stream partners to provide those feeds. But what we are able to work with, I think we're going to have a really entertaining show. So yeah, there will be lots, I think, uh, from not only uh, that that will carry on to future productions, mm -hmm. but uh, I think other people too. I mean, because they'll they'll copy. If we had to do this again, um, like for a Nopa Open or Adepta Null, um, I would say um, I would. I would get more people involved on the back end and I would make it bigger. There's so many parts of the community that like, as we were doing this, I realized we weren't touching that. I wish we could like mm. the hobby side. There's certain like entire countries that like when we were saying worldwide, I kept saying, if I think we could have done big, we could have made it bigger, but we just didn't have the, the manpower or the time. Like I would love to have a, a German announce table. I'd love to talk to the guys in China um, for the, like the Shanghai Open, uh, Tokyo Tactical. I'd love to have all these people involved in some way, shape, or form in the future. Um, like this could be so big if we wanted it to be, but we need more people to do it. And that's yeah, that's something to think about. Yeah, if you know, depending on how COVID goes, depending on how things shake out, if we get to do this again in the quote unquote near future that would be my big thing is to reach out to as many people as possible and just make this a beautiful beautiful thing yeah ne next year what uh, was i what ahead, was Bob. i suggesting the stay out of the area and open yeah the gray the gray area open like the gray area areas. open that's, that's uh, good atc's coming up call it the, the kaint tc that yeah oh, look at that God. look at the kaint i love it the so long cal open i don't know anyways we got um, lots lots uh, lots yeah, of puns of <laughs> the, it it the Multiple fathers the in our field. About the future is um, I'm I'm gonna let Val know about the Ocho next year a month before, so in October instead of November, so he'll have three months to prepare. I'll still only use the last two weeks. He really will. He <laughs> he will message me on like January twentieth and be like, "Hey, do you want to do this?" And that will be. <laughs> but and then but people be, exciting. I've been waiting for you. 
it, it is very the the prospects of what this means is is very very exciting for the future of competitive 40k it, it's very possible that in two years we have this massive global potentially even more than a weekend long event uh that everyone in our community is a part of uh and it, it's exciting Pablo, I want to say, like, I've had people reach out to me that were shocked we weren't already doing that. They were like, this isn't just like a full-blown convention. Why don't you call this guy? And I had to be like, listen, that's way over my head, buddy. Like, I had a lot of people contact me um, that that uh, were above my pay grade, I'm going to say, where I had to be like, I am really sorry, but this can't happen. <laughs> They're like, can you hang Nick Notavati's bannered face up on the wall and put his ITC champion ear up and then just like... Just like buy just a stop. convention just hall stop. and do just stop. Anyways, I'm not gonna lie to you guys. <laughs> I've been I've been watching a lot of these stream feeds pretty closely because we've got a we got co-stream them and we'll be putting some overlays over them and that stuff. And I have to call out Art of War specifically because I feel like they don't frame their shot properly so that Nick Nadavati's trophies can be in the frame. <laughs> and I'm calling you guys out. Frame your shot better. That's funny. It, this does take you know talking about what you've really learned. Like, this this takes a lot of work. And the work has to be done. Like you can't really get in a situation to where you're cutting corners and, and you kind of want to be it as, as best as it can be. Uh, and so, you know, you got to push yourself. Yeah. I mean, you, you do, you've got to do it a lot of work. Mm. All right. Now next, next patron question. Cause, uh, and this actually ties into a lot of what we've been saying. Um, it's a really good question from patron Tim. How do you think you take the Nopen and all the streaming and participation you were getting and carrying it forward into next year's LVO? I think a lot of what Pete's, Pete alluded to, um, just the fact that we've got uh, Lavazza Horace and uh, the guys at Deep Games doing, um, I, th I think language really is a massive barrier in the community because there are there are other you know metas and areas that are as vibrant as Canada is, or as you know your state is, and um, we just don't know about them because of language, and uh, I think by bringing in you know, coverage in a different languages, we can actually, you know, widen that net even more. We can bring more people into sort of a, a common, uh, you know, event or meta, even if it's, you know, covering something in Vegas or, or whatever. So I yeah. think that would be a really great thing to bring forward. I, I agree. Like Lavaz La de Horus almost had, you know, a 500, 600 person major under our noses. If, we, if they hadn't reached out to us, they might've had that and we never would have known about it. The English speaking American world. Largest team turn event uh, ever. So yeah, so yeah, I agree with you, Val. Uh, uh, Paul wants to know who is the biggest madman and why is it TJ yet again? Oh, uh, can I go back? Can, I'm, I'm gonna make a comment on the. Oh uh, yeah, the, yeah, sure, the, sure. The, building up hype for the event, like we can, we can, we can show showcase people's list and their play styles if they want to be, you know, that kind of stuff. A lot of a lot of people like to keep some of this close to the vest, but leading up to the event, you know, the 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 the, the LVO could be a two week experience for some mm -hmm. people. Yeah. We're yeah. about to start going through it for, for American football. Like there's going to be two weeks of people asking, you know, athletes the same questions. Uh, you know, we have a lot more content to work with for something like the LVO. So. Yeah, I agree. And uh, for Madman, it's probably, uh, oof, it's a hard one. I'm going to say JT McDowell, something people probably don't know. JT uh, during this whole setup, was having his knee replaced. Oh my gosh. And at one point, like for several days, was communicating with me um, on behalf of, of uh, Play on Tabletop, just without a knee. Like just plain old, he had two leg bones, nothing in the middle. Uh, that wins. Okay, yep. <laughs> and still like throwing uh, together. 
Sorry. Yes? We're going to need JT to explain this uh, because I'm pretty sure normally you go in, they take the knee out, they immediately put no, one back no. in. No, as far as I understand it, and now it may have been, his list is uh, Triple P, which is like painkiller, proclivity, something or other, because he has been on a lot of painkillers to, to do this. Um, but um, yeah, like the guy, the guy was going through surgery to have his knee replaced while helping me out um, with their part of this. So I think he is the biggest madman. He also used to be a professional wrestler. Um, the guy is absolutely banana pants. And like I mentioned earlier, he brought a Drukari list when he full well knew what was now broken in Drukari and was like, I'm not going to run that. I'm a bigger man. So kudos to him and his crazy beard and like homeless appearance because he just is such a good soul. I love him. And he is he's a, absolutely he's a good man. He's a good Canadian boy. Yeah. That's my pick by far. Oh, yeah. I, I, he wins. You're, you're 100%. After that explanation, 100%. I've already talked about my madman is Liam, Liam Hackett because he'll find me if I don't say that. It's true. <laughs> All right, patron, patron Spencer wants to know what would you think would happen to the game if everyone for every faction got their full codexes at once? Hmm. How balanced do you think it would be? I would, I would say, it would either be the most balanced we ever had, or it would be a total shit show for like two years. That's <laughs> six months later, you'd have the best game of forty k you ever had. Like, yeah, I, I, I would agree. But it's just, it's an interesting, it's something I've been talking about a lot on different shows is I, I feel, and this is no information, but, um, other than my brain, like the playtesters are getting stuff a little bit closer together than we're getting it. So we're often seeing things that aren't getting nerfed and it's taking a while. And in my opinion, at least now, and I'm hoping it's true, it's mainly because they're like, well, you know, in two months, Drukari's going to drop and that's going to change the game or Death Guard are going to drop. And we're already kind of seeing that, right? Like a lot of people are looking at Death Guard and they're like, well, I don't think I need to run all this damage two anymore because it does nothing. So now I need to run damage three and damage four, or I need to run weight of attacks. Um, and so we're kind of seeing already all these changes in how people are playing um, just based off of like every new codex that's coming out. Um, so I'm really, that I think if they released everything at once, like Val said, I think we'd have six months of just like, this is complete bullshit. And then we would have a really good, solid, tight game if they listened to what people were yelling about. Yep, I agree. Interesting. It's a lot. My, my, my answer is like really long. <laughs> <laughs> well, but it go well. It goes into like why, uh, like what keeps me like thirsty about the hobby is that I, oh, I'm yeah. I, how I build lists is I'm often building for what is what the now is and then building off of what the news is like either I'm, I'm fantasizing about what that news is and what I want to play out of that or how my current uh, like obsession will play against it. I feel so. That. I like the, uh, the flow of things. You're a magic man, Paul Murphy. Like you could easily see how GW could adopt that kind of a, a rules release model, like a, a core oh, yeah. set and then expanding on. Oh yeah. 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 No, I'm not saying it couldn't happen or even it shouldn't happen. I think, you know, there's, it's you change the model up a bit and, and then we get this, like at the beginning of third edition, you yeah. got a book with it. You're everybody's army in it, you know, like, yeah, and we loved it. It's completely yeah. fine. Yeah. There's, there's definitely room for, for GW to improve and innovate there. Um, and we're, we're just waiting patiently. Ba basically they're getting it. They're, they're tiptoeing in, you know, it's just like when, when my mom tried to teach me how to swim, although yep. I still don't know how to swim. <laughs> when my mom taught me story. how to swim, she that didn't that didn't sound like a good analogy, folks. But actually, pretty good analogy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> pretty good, pretty spot on. You, but... If you really think about how GW does things, you'd understand. This is exactly 
<laughs> the story that we needed. And pa- Pablo hasn't even drowned. So, like... <laughs> <laughs> I'd say I'm flourishing, actually. And his stocks you know, are you know, higher than the, they've the ever been. The magic analogy, though. I mean, I, and I don't want to pretend to even understand supply chains of, of all these you know, giant corporations or whatever, but it's a different thing when you're dealing with cardboard, when you're dealing with you know, well, uh, physical models, yeah. I would imagine. Yeah, well, uh, back back on magic real quick. Uh, even Wizards still has issues with with uh, keeping up with the times, right? So if you look at their challenger decks, their challenger decks are supposed to be top rate, top cutting edge decks, uh, cut of you know meta decks that you can buy and play with and win with. Even those are about three months behind the meta, which in the magic community, the the magic meta moves a lot faster than the forty k meta. It goes literally like month to month in some yeah. cases, right? So it, and magic actually doesn't release as much stuff as forty k does. 40k gw releases a lot more than what magic does on a consistent weekly basis and there are times when when 40k potentially uproots their competitive community more um the real difference is bearing in mind like all i meant by that because remember my magic knowledge is 25 years (laughs) old so i remember like you had uh ice age and then you had alliances Mm -hmm. and like home whatever more than 25 years homeland So like there there would be you know a core and I think you see it almost in what GW's doing they have a they have a core release and then they release all their codexes and then they have uh, like the campaign launch they had like Psychic Awakening last year that's like an expansion so it's there it's just that the you know the the way it all comes out is a little strange that's all all right next question patron Nick with the important questions that we need to know who wins in a fight a hot dog or a taco taco I think a taco Tacos no question no yeah. No. Hot dogs from Uh-oh. the streets. <laughs> uh, I, it depends on when that, where that taco came from, I suppose. It's true, actually. <laughs> Guys, uh, listen. TJ style taco. Okay, TJ style taco versus New York hot dog. Uh, listen, okay, I New went. New York hot dog is the worst hot dog you could have possibly picked. It was a boiled, sad wiener. <laughs> I went. I went um, to get Mexican food with Pablo once, and he was so mad at the place that was selected that I thought I thought he was going to leave me on the streets. So I have to go with taco because, like, they it is it is something that should be taken seriously. Well, uh, so, so the the shell of the taco is integral to the taco, whereas the bun of the hot dog is not integral to the hot dog. So you're saying mm. the hot dog could shed its bun and beat the taco up, and still just you probably wouldn't even miss it. Wow, wow! I mean, that's... just think of just think of a hot dog. It is literally a concentration of all kinds of beefs. In, into one tube. It is like, it is concentrated beef. Yeah. I'll, right? I'll, uh, I think suspect beef wins in a fight. I don't know. I don't know, <laughs> I don't know man. Ta- the taco brings a lot, a lot of, of different combinations of the table. A lot of different styles. You've got mm-hmm. like hipster tacos, TJ style tacos, trash, trashy Del Taco taco. No, you, know, you can't go like... into a fight with a soft taco. I mean, for one, all right? It has Fair to be enough. a crunchy shell taco. And the crunchy shell taco is not going to stand up to the onslaught of a wiener. I don't know. I don't know why we aren't talking about um, hot dog tacos. I think that is a legitimate oh, no. strategy here. Let's get out of here. <laughs> let's let's get out. Bad. By the it's way, Patron bad, Nick Pete. had a forty k related question. Nick, I chose the better question because <laughs> uh, your other question is garbage. <laughs> no, that's actually not a bad question. Anyways, Patron Nathan wants to know: Is it time for some fantasy forty k drafting or bracket predictions? I'm wondering if we will also see an open every year now. Okay. Um, there's a lot to unpack there. I would love to see an open style event every year. Maybe you could run a Las Vegas open before the LVO. I never ever. want to see an open again. I never, <laughs> ever, ever do I want to be in a position 
where the, the where where if all of our events are canceled, may the Nopa never rise again. But maybe an invitational tournament before the before the LVO would be cool. I'm telling you, like awesome. it's a hype part of the hype machine. You know that's um, yeah, big side. I agree. Uh, and then 40k fantasy drafting and bracket predictions. Um, we talked about bracket predictions a little bit, but the the 40k fantasy drafting is absolutely going to come back next year. Oh, yeah. um, I had big plans at the beginning of uh, 2020 for it, um, and obviously those didn't come to fruition. Um, my deadline was Adepticon to get those plans ready, and then Adepticon got canceled. So, uh, but yeah. For fantasy 40k drafting is something that the community absolutely wants and ties into more of that hype stuff. Uh, I want to hear Adam and Paul talk about the random stats that Falcon the Falcon pulled up on Richard Siegler in 2019, and that's that sounds great. All that's amazing. That's all coming. That's all down the pipe. Heck yeah. Brett wants to know when our next GT plans are going to be. When's the next GT we're planning on attending? <laughs> Why is it the Dallas Open? Um, oh. I think oh, it's Southern hard to... American United States. Yeah. No GT plans for, for us, I believe. I mean, all jokes aside, I want to encourage everybody to be safe. Like, this is yeah. a serious thing. For real. And be safe. No joke uh, at all. Uh, my border is closed. I, I can't I can't go. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. Uh, so I don't I don't have any GT plans, um, but I am planning stuff through Frontline. Uh, obviously, we're, you know, running the event coordinating and it is a revenue stream of frontline gaming. It's something that, you know, we rely on and depend on. Um, so I'm definitely planning GTs and planning majors and planning cons and stuff for frontline in the future. There's a lot of really exciting stuff going on uh, that I obviously can't talk about. So that's kind of what my plans are focused right now. Um, but, you know, I allow myself to fantasize about events starting in September. So yeah. if I was going to play the GT, I would, yes. I would say September, that that's where I allow myself to dream of actually being at an event. Oh, this stuff yeah. is definitely possible. Like, and I don't mean you know, like be like a Debbie Downer or whatever, but I mean we got to be realistic and smart about it. And oh then yeah, that's it. And if yeah, it, I, and if we're in a situation where it's realistic and smart, then I'm I want to roll dice. I want to go to concerts. So bad. Dice. You know, it's like yes, it's in my blood. I have to do this kind of stuff, and I cannot wait till we can do this kind of stuff. All right, right on. Well, that's it. That's actually the episode. Uh, thank you so much, Paul, for sticking. Paul Val and Peter for sticking around for the entire thing through the patron questions. It was, it was awesome having you guys on. I'm so excited to see the Ocho this weekend. For those of you finally, Val, one last plug. Where can they go to find the Ocho, the Las Vegas Open? LasVegasNopen.net. Uh, you can find the Shalange.com uh, bracket there where you can actually do your predictions. We don't have the fantasy, but we got bracket predictions. Again, an amazing raffle. Please. Please go uh, and get as many of your points as you can so you can win some of the amazing prizes put up by not only Frontline Gaming, our uh, lord and sponsor, uh, but also the Falcon. 40kstats.com bringing some some prize heat. Amazing. Um, Army Painters contributed. And then, of course, our really great cause. Uh, you can you can find the link to, to donate there as well. So lots of great stuff on LasVegasNopen.net. Yeah, and then more importantly, all that's going to be streamed on Twitch. So you'll find the links at lasvegasopen.net. So if, you un if you're unfamiliar with Twitch and you want to follow along, get familiar with it. We are uh, – actually, I'm also going to say, because um, we haven't really said where you can watch it, all of the partners will be streaming their own normal channel. So if you really, really like uh, you know, following your, your Titans or your, your play-on guys, you can go watch them live as you would. We will be doing badass coverage uh, that will uh, be looking at all of the games going on at, at, at that time. I think we will probably – be 
oppressively represented and restreamed all over the place. Our main home base will likely be the Frontline Gaming Network uh, on YouTube channel. Uh, that's what I'm leaning towards. Uh, but if you go to the Ocho on Twitch, uh, you'll definitely find us there too. Perfect. All right, guys. Thank you so much for coming on. Guys and gals, you are all the best listeners in the world. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Chapter Tactics. I'll see you all this weekend at the Las Vegas Nopen stream. And as always, have a good one. Bye-bye. See you, everybody.